When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. Well, hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 31 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, with me, Sam Davis, and this week, no Sean, as he still recovers from some festive overindulgence. Fear not, though, Mr. Barker will be back next week, where we'll hopefully be talking about a progression through to the next round of the Cup when Cherries take on Millwall. This week, though, I'm really pleased to be joined by our regular reporter, Michael Dunn, and with a number of talking points up for debate, we've certainly got a lot to get through. So, here's what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. Now, before the reminiscing begins about Tuesday's 3 all draw at home to the Arsenal, we'll briefly round up the Christmas fixtures away to Chelsea and Swansea, which threw up some mixed but expected results. Then after that, we'll take in the fan and media thoughts after our draw at the Vitality on Tuesday night, with several points up for debate, including the excellent goal by Daniels, the Fraser penalty incident, the so-called controversy for Cherry's third goal, the substitutions, the Arsenal fight back, the sending off, and much more besides. We'll then give a brief and final reminder about our retro poll and also our football manager competition before we wrap them up next week. Plus, Michael and I will preview Cherry's next match and that, as I said, is away in the FA Cup against the Lions of Millwall. Should be an interesting encounter. Very much looking forward once again to the chant of where were you when you were sh... We won't go there, eh? Anyway, on with the show and let's round up Bournemouth's festive fixtures and providing the backing music for this is a certain Mr George Michael from Wham. Rest in peace. Back of the Nets Christmas Match Summary Chelsea on Boxing Day It is the Chelsea way. That's why hasn't had much of a look in. He hasn't had a touch of the ball. Chelsea continue this magnificent winning run. Had to make a couple of changes, but Pedro rewarded with two goals. His first uh, magnificent effort to defeat Arta Boritz. Bournemouth gave it a real go. They tried to match Chelsea's formation, but it was as good as game over early in the second half when Simon Francis fouled Aiden Hazard, who picked himself up to score from the penalty spot. Two for Pedro. A wonderful display by Hazard, who 
Swansea on New Year's Eve. Swansea nil, Bournemouth three. Swansea hit rock bottom, but a great away day for Eddie Howe's side. Their second away win of the campaign. This was clinical and thoroughly convincing. Benek Fobe with the opening goal on 26. Fraser's cross almost turned into his own net by Jordi, uh, by, by uh, Matt Fabianski made the save, but Fobe turned and fired in the rebound. The second goal was the best team got team move of the game on 45 minutes as uh, Wilshere combined with Stanislas and Ryan Fraser tapped him in the six-yard box. Uh, Fobe could have, could and should have had two more after the break eventually the third goal was an embarrassing one as far as Swansea were concerned as Boric rolled out to Daniels to feed Josh King to score Swansea a few little half chances but nothing really for Boric to be overly concerned about first of all Danny a great performance by Bournemouth they came and did what they had to do but Swansea my word they are in trouble yeah they've got serious serious problems here and a perfect away performance really from Bournemouth you know, scoring three goals keeping a clean sheet uh, dominating possession and could have had more on another day but you know you look at Swansea and it's you don't know where to start really don't know where to start well you've taken off after 15 minutes yeah so so many issues with this team individual errors um, lack of leadership no organisation from back to front I could go on all day about it Um, I I fear I I fear for the new manager coming in because he has got a real real job on uh, some of Bournemouth's play at times especially the second half was was really nice to watch um, and they're a team who know exactly what they're doing you look at Swansea and so many so many things going wrong especially that midfield area we're talking about the back four but the midfield area for me is a concern as well lack of mobility um, a lack of defensive know-how in there and just way too easy to play against and the third goal if you want to know what's wrong with Swansea City at a minute just watch the third goal tonight and and he'll tell you everything you need to know it comes from a Swansea corner five seconds later it's actually in the back of their net for 3-0 so serious serious issues going on here and if they keep carry on playing like this they're down it's as simple as that So on Boxing Day, we left Stamford Bridge empty-handed, but we were far from lacklustre at the Liberty as we emerged with three points and we finished 2016 in style. Now, as mentioned, we have Michael Dunn here. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know his voice from our match reports, but you'll possibly also know him from the excellent All Departments podcast. So, Michael, hello. How are you? I'm good, Sam. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So, do you miss presenting the show? Um, no, not really. Oh. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a real thrill for a, about two and a half seasons, and um, it really was a very enjoyable thing to do. I always wanted to do something like that, and I was able to, to put it together. Um, maybe towards this time last year, it started to become a bit more of a burden, so I kind of started thinking, I'll see how I feel at the end of the season. And uh, at the end of the season, I was still feeling the same. Uh, then I got a new job as well over the summer, so a few things changed. And, um, yeah, I think at the moment it's pretty much done. Uh, but it was great to get on board with you guys. I always wanted, I think I told you this, uh, offline as it were, that I always wanted a, a, some sort of partner to do the show with me regularly. I couldn't ever really find anyone who would commit. So so to be on board with you guys is, is perfect, really. Oh, good stuff. Well, yeah, certainly great to have you on here. And I hope you had a good Christmas. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but football was sort of rather integral to my mood. So were you feeling blue like me on Boxing Day after that 3-0 defeat? Uh, or could you just look at the game and think, it was Chelsea, it was expected? Yeah, they're rampant at yeah. the moment. I mean, we met them at the perfect time last season and that result will be, you know, never forgotten, really. Mm. Even if we do beat them again, that'll always be the one, I think. Um, And this season, we met them in completely different circumstances. You know, they're flying high. Obviously, they've had a long unbeaten run and they've won every single game. And we played all right. Mm. You know, I went to the game. uh, We did much better than against Southampton. Eddie changed the formula a bit he played he played three at the back and he he played the two well kind of wing backs uh with both the smiths on the outside and yeah it worked okay but they we were just outclassed i mean pedro's goal yeah. there was literally nothing that anybody could do about it, it yeah. you know boris had absolutely no chance and then 
they um or oh, the last goal as well with Cook it just hit him and went in so uh, you know I mean I, th- I don't think 3-0 was really a fair reflection of the game maybe 2-0 or 2-1 would have been fairer but Chelsea deserved to win but we certainly didn't disgrace ourselves no, I completely agree. Well, I was I was actually abroad visiting my brother-in-law and watched the game in a hotel where there was no volume whatsoever, so I couldn't really fathom what was going on. But yeah, as as you said, it seems like we started the game pretty well, but then just the class um, absolutely came out. An interesting tweet we, we received actually from Paul Kenwood saying, Frano is still not good enough at right back. He needs to be centre-back um, or on the bench. Smithy is not a right midfielder, right back or bench for him. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's, it's really interesting when you sort of look at these matches um, in like, hindsight. Now, obviously, we played Swansea after that, where it was a different story. And it was a quite tidy result and not a bad performance, really, was it? No, it wasn't a bad performance. Um Riding up on the supporters coach to Swansea in the fog, I was, although this is always the case with me, apprehensive that it was going to be a banana skin. They just sacked Bradley. You never quite know how that's going to go. Yeah. However, it all went in our favour. Um, they it, they were awful. I mean, they, I think they won. Yeah, they beat Palace last night, didn't they? They've got um, Paul yeah. Clement in now. But they were absolutely awful. And, I mean, we were easily the better team on the pitch. We deserved our win. I don't think any Swansea fans would argue with that. But it wasn't um, a, something that would necessarily be a reflection or could give a, a kind of indication of how we would fare going forward. I mean, we did well last night, but we'll come on to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, because it, it was just so easy. It was like seeing... To, you know, than play against a bunch of people, uh, players who've basically just given up. Yeah. And 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 um, I mean, the Swansea did have quite a bit of possession in the second half, but they didn't. They, they couldn't do anything with it, and they kept making mistakes, misplacing passes, putting the ball out when they were trying to make longer passes and things like that. And their heads just went down. And yeah, I mean, it was great. It's an away win. You know, keep the points ticking over. And also, you want to be picking up points over Christmas. You don't want to have a run like. Southampton have had which has you know given me no end of of joy after they beat us um and and just sort of go on the slide and think Watford have been having problems teams like that as well you know you want to pick up a win and you know a few points over Christmas um because it 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 just just keeps you out of any kind of uh you know looking down at the trap door and and uh, and Swansea was a winnable game you go up there and a lot of people around me were saying we're going to win this one and you know they were right I was thinking well I remember saying that before we played Sunderland that didn't quite work out so uh yeah and uh well deserved the the the, the win and I think you know uh, Swansea looked like they may have improved uh, under the new manager but I mean on the strength of what I saw there if they play like that for the rest of the season they're going down for sure yeah I mean that that last Josh King goal was like symbolic of the whole performance from Swansea (laughs) I mean what was it just the throw out and then uh, the ball was played through and it was ridiculous Um, but yeah that so that put us 10th in the league and then after Saints got humbled 3-0 at Goodison on Monday, we actually rose to ninth without even kicking right. a ball. So um, before we dissect the game at Dean Court on Tuesday night, here were a few media reports followed by your reaction of our 3 all draw versus the Gunners. With the score at Bournemouth 3, Arsenal 3, Arsenal was staring down the barrel of a third successive away defeat, something that hasn't happened to Arsene Wenger since October 2011. And after those defeats to Everton and Manchester City and going 3-0 down here, he must have feared the worst. But what a comeback from the Gunners in the context. But then goals from Sanchez with a diving header, Perez with a really nice volley on 75 minutes, and then Olivier Giroud as we went into stoppage time with a beautifully guided header from Xhaka's lofted ball into the box, makes it 3-3, but the referee has blown the full-time whistle, and both sides will have to settle for a share of the spoils. Arsenal have got out of jail here, 3-0 down just before the hour. They have fought back and shown a bit of spirit to get themselves level and earn themselves a point. Francis sent off, 
when the score was 3-2 with eight minutes of normal time to go. That will be a talking point. So will the penalty that Bournemouth got in the first half. But it's been another thrilling game down in the vitality. But no winner. The points are shared. Bournemouth 3, Arsenal 3. Well, everyone's clapping. There must be something. something everybody's clapping in this in this stadium. Arsenal fans and former fans alike. But I think they'll walk away and both will feel like you know, a little bit frustrated. Certainly from an Arsenal perspective, they're looking and go. Tell you what, we've got a draw out of a performance that really at times beggars belief. We didn't deserve it. But then if we'd have just stepped it up and played in a little bit more desire and tempo earlier on in the game, we might have been there a lot a lot earlier into this game and arrived at the game and possibly won it. So those were some of the media reports summarising our 3 all draw with Arsenal at Dean Court. And as always on Back of the Net, we love to have a song choice to accompany the fan thoughts. And we've got a number of suggestions in this week, including Steve Wright with Whitney Houston. Didn't we almost have it all? Oh, we really did, Steve. Road Sherry, another left-field song selection, but how about Eight Years Ago by Edmunds Crown? Some strangely relevant lyrics in there. Now, I've got to say, tried to track it down, didn't find it on YouTube, but did find it on some crazy site. But then about eight pop-ups occurred, so I had to close that one down, I'm afraid. Ian Garrard, Love and Pride by King. I felt love and I felt pride, but alas... Ross Devonport came in with Emotions by Mariah Carey. Now, Ross, was she lip-syncing that or what? But anyway, we certainly went through a number of emotions during that game, didn't we? Lauren Chapman, caught in the act from Shaka Shaka Khan. Am I right? You're certainly not wrong, Lauren. A lot of good suggestions in this week. So, let's pick a winner out of the hat this time. Ooh! There's a bonus entry, and it's Steve Wright again with Frankie Valley. Let's hang on. <laughs> Very relevant. I certainly wish we did, Steve. Uh, I thought tonight we were really unlucky. Played really, really well. Uh, 70 minutes. Uh, absolutely outplayed Arsenal. Really good performance. A couple unlucky with some of the decisions. Uh, the handball goal disallowed, thought was a bit harsh, definitely not, definitely accidental, and uh, I think it was going in anyway. I think the sending off is, is up there really with the Ghoulies yesterday. I think it's really, really harsh and, uh, you know, put us massive on the back foot for the last few minutes. Um, I was at the Bournemouth game. First of all, let me say the positives. Bournemouth were fantastic. The stadium's fantastic, the fans are fantastic, and they deserve three points tonight. We lost two points. We lost two points. If we're trying to be competitive and trying to win the league, it's a joke. It's all over and it's just like what how have we come away with a point from that game 3-0 up after 70 minutes and 90 plus 2 and Olivier Giroud makes it 3-3 right it's a very rare thing it's a very rare thing that happens a team's 3-0 down oh oh, hold on a minute I remember when Newcastle were 4-0 down Uh, who were they playing oh yeah us the mentally weak no, no, nothing. No bit of credit at all. The only credit I'll give you to the fans. But at least still going. There's a chance for us to go into third place, one point behind them, and they turn out that. You know, first question's got to be asked in Fenger's press conference or whatever, is that we have been crying out for a clean sheet for I don't know how many weeks. We get two, and then he changes it. Why? Why has he changed it? Mustafi can come in against Preston. You know, we've kept two clean sheets. You've got to go away from home and defend properly if you're going to win the league and, or, or do well in competitions. And we are not good enough defensively, and that proves it today. Let's forget mm. about the comeback. I've seen people turn around and say, Eddie Howe is not big enough or good enough to, to manage our team. To, right? He has outclassed Arsene Wenger for 45 minutes with a team that is... Right, their best player ain't playing today, by the way, because he's one of ours. Hi there, it's Mark from Westbourne here, walking back after the game. <sighs> what on earth can you say about that? Um, it is Bournemouth and Howe in a microcosm, really. Um, we set out with all the confidence and attacking intent that you could wish. Pretty much more attacking intent than any other side would show against a club like Arsenal. Pretty much 4-4-2, four, four, four out-and-out attacking players. We run at them. We find out that they're brilliant as hell at the back. End up... Could have been three with some late chances. We missed. 
end up making it three early in the second half. You're just thinking, wow, this is just surreal. It's amazing. And then, as football often does, it turns on the most innocuous of moments when Fraser goes off injured as a, as a result of that Koscielny tackle. Why on earth are we putting Adam Smith back in midfield again? We know he can't play there. He didn't know what position to take up. He didn't know what runner to, to go after. He looks so out of place. And Drew Sermon, for the best one in the world, he's great when we're on the ball. He can ping balls left and right, no problem. But he doesn't get his shorts dirty. He's not going to make tackles. When we're up against it, he is not the player you want in the field. And the last sub, when it's 3-2 in stoppage time, taking off the clearly knackered Wilson and then sticking on Brad Smith. <sighs> What's he supposed to do in that position? With six foot five Tyler Mings on the bench there. He should have been on the far post in that last minute. But there we go. Ah, uh, yeah. Frustrated, proud. Another surreal night spot in Bournemouth. Cheers. So great to hear from everyone who contributed to the fan thoughts, including Craig, Matt from AFCB TV, and also Mark. Uh, amongst some Arsenal opinion in there, for good measure, Arsenal Fan TV, always a joy to listen to. Um, so Michael, three all, and I know what your answer is going to be to the first of these two questions, but, okay, question one, would you have taken a point before the game? And question two, given how the game went, were you happy to take a point at full time? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the the phrase I'd have taken a point before kickoff has been regularly heard coming out of my mouths and many others uh, since the game in a kind of uh, clutching, well, not clutching at straws, but clutching at consolation for the way the game went. Um, yeah, am I happy with the point subsequently? Um, well, mixed feelings, obviously, because um, if we'd have been 3-0 down and we'd have come back to 3 all, obviously we'd have been absolutely overjoyed. But when you're leading a game 3-0, you do expect to win the game. It's, you know, with 20 minutes to go. So it's um, you can look at it both ways. I think as time goes on and the disappointment fades, uh, and hopefully we start collecting more points. It'll be seen as a decent enough result, but perhaps one we should have won given the circumstances, uh, like I said, of leading 3-0 with not that much of the game left to play. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the team lineup, then, well, later on in club news, we'll touch on Benikafobe's omission. So aside from that straight swap with Wilson, the two other changes saw Gosling replace uh, the lone tied Wilshire and then Josh King uh, was playing whereas Andrew Sermon was not he was benched so uh, what f- when you saw that team lineup, what sort of formation were you expecting um, pretty much what it turned out to be yeah. um, I could see that King was going to kind of play the the Wilshire role as it were a sort of higher attacking midfielder he probably plays a little bit higher than than Jack does normally mm-hmm. um, yeah so I thought it was um he picked a decent team. I wasn't surprised Sermon was left out. He's just coming back to fitness. I think if he was fit, 100% fit, and he'd had four or five games under his belt, he definitely would have played him in place of Gosling because, I mean, he loves Sermon. and he, he does make a difference, and he made a difference at Chelsea. We did look much more together in midfield with him there. Um, yeah, the rest is absolutely spot on. Can't complain at all. I mean, the way that Stanislas has come back into the team and he, he hasn't really missed a beat so far. Uh, obviously, Fraser's broken into the team now and he's, he's, he's living up to his potential. And I mean, he was always going to play that back four. Smith, Adam Smith was, was on the bench. Um, you mentioned earlier about his, um, yeah. well, the, the doubts surrounding him regarding his ability to play in midfield. And he did, he did do that again last night, but yeah. later on, I pretty much agree with that I think the, the the line of thought that's saying you know he's a good player he's a good right back he comes forward well but he's not a right midfielder and we have got um, other options in that position so uh, yeah I think um, Eddie had to do something to accommodate Aki and now he's kind of found a way to do it and Aki was was, was great last night so yeah that's right so Arsenal started off pretty strongly but then uh, on 16 minutes I mean 
What a goal that was, wasn't it? I mean, the ball from Stanislas, the finish from Daniels, Cherry Chimes on their blog wrote, Daniels hasn't got a magic coat, but he's got a magic touch. He may have <laughs> sneaked in on the blind side, but Bellerin and Ramsey should and could have been tighter. That Charlie could slip inside and find a finish to beat Czech. I mean, what did you think of that goal? I mean, firstly, did you think he would score from that position? Um, well, no. <laughs> uh, but... It, once he got past Bellerin, I thought he would. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a very good chance. I mean, that was the thing. The ball, like you said, from Stanislas was superb. He, his first touch was great. And he went around Bellerin and then he was kind of in. And so then it's just a matter of beating the goalkeeper. Mm. Um, and Charlie's weighed in with a few goals this season. In fact, we seem to be relying quite heavily on our defenders yeah. to score this season. I think him, Aki and Cook have got about 10 goals between them. Mm. Only Frano letting the side down, really. And Smith's weighed in with a couple as well. Mm. So... Um, yeah, but it was it was a fantastic goal. Oh. Uh, considering the opposition, considering you know he's a left back, uh, and he, he was reminded on Twitter somewhere last night that we bought him for two hundred grand, yeah. which isn't quite the four grand for Harry Arter, but it's still peanuts compared to you know what um, Arsenal are playing their defenders <laughs> are paying for their defenders, and it was just outstanding. And I think that. Well, we're going to go on and talk about the other goals. But, you know, to think that not only did we score that goal and some others afterwards and play really, really well for the large part of the game, but the fact it was televised yeah, as well. Yeah. And everybody was like thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of that. Now, one thing that I, I, I feared, actually, because Charlie Daniels has had many a time where he could have shot on his right foot but hasn't. My concern was, as he was approaching Czech on the left side, his his sort of options were more limited than what you would be if you're right foot. Because if you're right foot, you can kind of open your body out and then place it towards the far post, or you can, you know, absolutely slam it with your instep into the net. But he just sort of dinked it over, check. Um, 1-0, what an amazing feeling. But even a better feeling four minutes later when uh, Wilson, well, King won the ball, played it through to Wilson, and then uh, Fraser was running outside. And... As he approached the box, well, was inside the box, then Xhaka, was it, who who nudged him? And then Fraser went over. Um, was it a penalty, or do you think it just looked so dramatic and Fraser was travelling at speed that... Um, I mean, what was your opinion? At the time, I was asking the same questions to people around me, because I'm down the other end of the ground. Yeah. Was it a penalty? But the reason I thought, was it a penalty, was I wasn't sure it was actually inside the box. Mm. When I saw it, subsequently, it was a penalty. Yeah. Um, it wasn't um, a bad foul, but it was a foul. It would have been a free kick anywhere else on the pitch. And so, therefore, it was a penalty. I thought, um, I mean, the ref, <laughs> the ref was uh, reasonably prominent last night, uh, but he, he did well to wave play on just yeah. like seconds before that. Um, somebody was fouled. It might have been King. And, and he waved the advantage, and that was what um, led to the Fraser receiving the ball and going into the box to get the penalty. He'd waved one away prior to that, hadn't he? I yeah, think it was right. um, Wilson did a kind of Greg Luganis type dive and um, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't give it. I think if, if, if Callum maybe had have not quite done so much theatrics, he, the ref might have bought that one, but no, I think Fraser's was a penalty. Mm. Um, and I didn't really hear what Wenger had to say afterwards, apart from, you know, my team have done brilliant to come back here yeah. against Bournemouth and all that kind of thing. But um, I was expecting to hear a bit from Wenger about the penalty. But I guess in the end, there was so much happened in the game yeah. that maybe that wasn't wasn't the crucial moment. But no, it's a penalty. And then obviously Callum Callum took it at, at, at the Emirates and uh, he yeah. thought, oh, what's going to happen here? He hasn't been in the team. He seems to have been relying on penalties a bit, but you have to put him away, don't you? Yeah, but I mean, these technique, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's they're. They haven't been amazing penalties, have they? I mean, that one, you know, the keeper could have stood still and saved it. But do you think Callum is just waiting for the keeper to go one way or the other and placing it in? Because it's a, you know, it's a very casual technique he's got. Possibly. There was a bit of, a little bit of ball wrestling prior to the penalty. But I think he got to the ball first and that was pretty much it. Because I would have said, you know, who's going to take this penalty would be Callum Wilson. Anyway, he took it. Mm. And and he scored. Yeah, it was. Um, there was a, a split second when my heart did miss a beat, thinking it was going to hit Czech's legs yes. as Czech dived. 
Um, didn't went in, but didn't miss his legs by much. No, that's right. Um, yeah, so I don't know what Wilson's doing. He's, he's obviously got uh, some kind of technique, or perhaps more than one, uh, that's working. He's, I think, he scored them all. I think was he taking three this season. He's, he's, yeah, he's right. scored them all. And um, so, so fair play. Nobody can really say, well, he shouldn't be taking the penalties because everyone he gets, he, he, he seems to bang it in. And I think when you're, a, I think the fact that he was facing Czech again, and it's not even doesn't even seem like that long since we no, played. No, that's them. right, not at all. It seems like about six weeks. I can't remember quite remember the day of the game. And and um, you would have think it'd probably be fresh in Czech's mind. And obviously they have a little bit of um, uh, research. They look at you know the penalties the previous few that they've taken and i thought well check could easily guess right here with yeah. with the knowledge that he's got but no back of the net and two nil and everything was looking absolutely fantastic then yeah it really was uh, red and black 68 on twitter saying in the ref watch feature uh, dermot gallagher said it definitely was a penalty so yeah that's absolutely fine half time then two nil and as i uh, as i tweeted at the time i was I was in this sort of mental sort of tussle of trying to enjoy what I'd just seen versus the the dread of the next 45 minutes. And, <laughs> uh, well, Arta nearly made it three, didn't he? But apparently, I've been reading on Twitter today, if the ball strikes the hands in any which way and goes in the goal, it's not a goal. I, I didn't know that rule until today, did you? No, I didn't know that. I haven't checked, although it does sound plausible, I can't think of another example where that's either been applied or where it's happened but hasn't been applied. I think we're a bit unlucky there. I think that, um, yeah, you would kind of, well, considering the regular errors that refs make, yeah. not deliberately, I think in most cases, but they <laughs> happen all the time. It's such a thankless task that the ref could have given that goal. But if he applied the law correctly, then I guess... We can't really argue with that, can we? No, that's right. But three minutes later, we did make it three. And that was when Daniels played the ball through to Fraser. Now, in the build-up, was that a foul by Fraser, do you think? Um, that was right in front of me. Yeah. Um, well, they may have a case, although not a sort of 100%, it's I would say. Yeah, because... Yeah, um, he used his body. I think he learnt this one from Callum Wilson. Callum yes. loves to do that. He did that against uh, Bolton in, in that match, didn't he? Where he, we, yeah. um, the first goal that was it. Oh, you know what? I can't even remember who scored it now. Um, Hugh wasn't. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, um, but uh, in in the third. Oh, no, no, sorry, it wasn't for that. It was in the third minute actually of that Bolton game where he had a chance. He shoved the Bolton defender out of the way, and then he he could have squared it to Pugh, but didn't. He had a shot which the keeper saved, but um, it was it was very similar to that apparently Dermot Gallagher in his ref watch, um, ref watch column says it was a foul but anyway we'll gloss over that cheeky little finish from uh, from the wee man wasn't it but um, he didn't really have anywhere to put it no and he sh well I'm going to say if whilst I was watching I was basically screaming to him to square it to Wilson yeah he, I couldn't see any way through it checks near post particularly given the quality of keeper check is yeah uh, and he, he just managed to squeeze it through. He didn't even look like he was sure what he was going to do. And then he thought, well, I've gone too close now to get it to Wilson. So I'll have to have a dig. And it just sort of seemed to it hit something on the way through. I think it hit some part of check and then just kind of slowly trickled over the line. Uh, cue delirium. And I mean, we haven't really touched on this, although, you know, up to this point, it's obvious. But we better say it now before we go on to what happened afterwards. Sure. We were absolutely hammering them there's no aspect of the game whatsoever that we were second best in True. we toyed with them for about 65 minutes and it was just unbelievable and at the time obviously we went to 3-0 and I thought this has to be you know easily our best performance yeah. in the Premier League and possibly our best performance of all time unfortunately the uh, the subsequent events kind of diluted that one a bit yeah that's right and it was around the top time that you said 65 minutes where there were a couple of substitutions so first Sermon came on for King and then Fraser who who uh, there was a lot of conjecture over Twitter like why did he take him off it looked like he was injured he hobbled off and he did sort of mouth an expletive saying i you know i'm you know i'm knackered not knackered my leg is uh but used a swear word for that but we won't say it so smith came on for him 
A lot of people have been saying this was Eddie Howe's downfall and his mistake because you're taking off two attacking players, King and Fraser, and you know Sermon's at that holding player, and Adam Smith. I know he can burst forward, but um, he's not exactly your sort of outlet up front, is he, to relieve the pressure? And it seemed like we were doing. I tweeted this at the time. It was almost like we were doing what Sven used to do for England. We got you, you know, we get a one nil lead. You know, that's for England. I mean, we had three, but. He always brought on defenders and tried to shore things up. But it, against a team like Arsenal, it, it seems to invite pressure. Now, it's Mr. O tweeted, replace pace with pace. Museo or Ibe should have give us, uh, would have given us an out ball. We just got hemmed in. Um, and then uh, Michael tweeted, we should have bought in Mings to deal with, uh, with Giroud, uh, Grockle free. If Fraser had stayed injury free, we would have won that game. With King off already, we had no outlet and invited them on. Uh, Sam Summers, don't really understand the sermon sub. We just invited them to attack. At the time, I suppose you you don't sort of think too much about it, but then Arsenal did score almost immediately on 70 minutes. But, I mean, what's, what were your view on the substitutions? Yeah, I think the thing to bear in mind is what you said about at the time. We weren't 1-0 up. We were 3-0 up. Mm. And I think, you know, if you were minded to do so, it would be difficult to find many games in any single season where a team has come back from 3 nil to even get a point so statistically everything was in our favor um but what you're saying and what everybody seems to be saying with hindsight is correct we had no out ball once those substitutions were made king i thought was excellent we haven't really mentioned him i thought he was i mean fraser's been voted man of the match i actually thought king was the best player uh, on the pitch last night although fraser did run him close um and you know seeing him go off i didn't know he was injured at the time uh, and I thought, well, this this is a mistake, mm. you know, bringing bringing Sermon on for King. But if he's injured, he's injured. Um, Fraser, he got injured. They, um, Smith was ready to come on mm. when Fraser picked up his knock. So whether they were thinking of taking Fraser off or not, I don't know. Maybe they were. Mm. But, yeah, I think he's done something. I was a bit worried it, it was the hamstring. But I guess we'll find out. And he's, if he doesn't play against Millwall, then he's got more time to recover a little bit more. Um but yeah, and then the tide kind of turned oh, and yeah. that is exactly what happened. And unfortunately, we had Callum Wilson up front for quite a while and uh, he wasn't able to hold it up on his own. No. He needed support and he just wasn't getting it. Yeah, that's right. And we won't sort of talk about the Arsenal goals too much. But yeah, it was Sanchez after 70. And that's when the creeping sense of dread started to sort of kick in. Uh, Perez uh, on 75 now... It was a great strike, wasn't it? It it was a great volley. Yeah, it was superb. I mean, um, Sanchez's goal wasn't bad. And I thought he was their most impressive player last night. Even in the first half, he he was able to pick the passes in and around the box so well when Arsenal did have the ball. And he he scored the header. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Perez, that was just fantastic. There's nothing you could do about that. It was a shame, obviously, for us. And then when it went to 3-2... I was just thinking, well, it's 3-2. They've got all the momentum. We seem to have lost our way. We've run out of steam. Obviously, the injuries have gone against us. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, at that point, uh, I was thinking, I wouldn't say I'll be happy with a point, but a point was good enough. It wasn't what I wanted. I wanted us to hang on, but I could I could only see them getting, getting the equaliser. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what, but, but what about that red card, though, eh, when Francis went in on Ramsey? Oh, yeah. um, Michael Brannan said, not a foul, not excessive force, not dangerous. It's a clean tackle. Uh, Sam Summers saying, not a stonewall f- foul, but could easily be given. Red card was absolutely right. So contrasting f- uh, opinions amongst the Twitterati for AFCP, but we have appealed it. Um, at the time, did you see anything malicious or did you think uh oh we're in we're in trouble here or did the red card when it you know, when it came out of his pocket did that take you by surprise it didn't take me by surprise when he pulled it out hmm. because there was a lot of reaction yeah and even people around me i mean it was still too far away from me it was over the other side of the pitch for me to to see it properly um people around me there was a guy behind me who's sort of saying oh that's dirty that's naughty and you know i was thinking oh this doesn't look good and and off he went in fact he, he didn't go straight off there was plenty of verbals prior to that wasn't yes, there, there were, yeah. um yeah anyway um then i've seen it i haven't seen it i've only seen it a couple of quick clips since he, he went in from behind which yeah. is against the rules 
but he won the ball cleanly. Mm. So I'd say yellow card. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm biased, but it was a foul. I mean, but I did not think it was a straight red. No, I mean, wasn't this very similar to the sending off he had at Leicester last season? Because I seem to remember then it was from behind, but again, he got the ball. Was was that similar? I can't quite remember. I can't really remember either, Sam, but I think you have to be careful mm. going in from behind. And he's trying to be careful. Yeah. And that was obviously what he was saying. He's arguing his case, saying, I've got the ball. You know, it's you know a foul at the most. It's not a red card. You know, I'm going to be banned for three games, uh, pending the appeal, obviously. Um, and, you know, it doesn't deserve the punishment. It wasn't studs up. It wasn't late. It wasn't a clatterer from behind when he didn't get anywhere near the ball. So they've appealed it. Hopefully it will be rescinded. They do it a bit quicker these days. They used to take ages yeah. over it. Um, if he misses Millwall, no problem. After that, well, you know, people have been... Well, <laughs> when we lose, uh, uh, France is, has quite often been, you know, the fall guy recently. Yeah, and uh, People calling for him to be dropped. I think uh, I was not expecting Eddie to drop him. He's one of his most sort of solid citizens. He, he's the captain. Um, and I'd probably favour him a bit more than some of the comments I've seen. Uh, but now, if he does get banned... We'll um we'll see how we fare without because we're going to have to bring somebody in. Mm, yeah, that's right. So Brad Smith uh, replaced Callum Wilson. Uh, he had a sort of four minute run out, but then uh, moments later, Giroud three all. He did his scorpion celebration, much to a lot of anger of some Arsenal fans because they thought he should you know grab the ball and you know try to get a fourth. But <laughs> at that point, I mean, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I'd almost. I'd almost expected it so much, I sort of knew it was coming, and the disappointment wasn't as great as I thought it would be, if that makes any sense, because I just thought at 3-2, it's only going one way from here. He got the goal, and, well, it, I mean, explain the sort of reaction around you. I mean, what were you feeling as well? Um, yeah, there was a, a mixed reaction around me, mostly just heads in hands, mine was in my hands, although I was expecting it as well. I mean, we... we We'd completely surrendered the momentum. We'd completely surrendered any um, opportunity to get in their half of the pitch. It was all going one way. And they've got so much quality. And they can play the ball around in little triangles, you know, quick fire passing, accuracy. And obviously they've got the threat with Giroud up front as well. Um, yeah. And to be honest, when it went to 3-3, I wasn't surprised. And I was glad Giroud ran over to the fans and did his bit of carry on because it just killed more of the clock. It did. And, you know, just I was just hoping even before 3-2, obviously I was hoping we'd hang on, but I was expecting them to score again. And, and when, at 3-3, I was just hoping for the final whistle. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of <clears throat> chat since about, you know, we've drawn with Arsenal and we're coming off and away from the ground feeling disappointed and all that's true you can't go from 3-0 up to drawing 3 yeah. all without feeling some disappointment uh, you look at that obviously but in the bigger picture I mean everyone knows this anyway we've come from we've come from League 2 as they yeah. say and and um, we we drew with Arsenal and for at least 65 minutes you know, someone who was watching football for the very first time would have thought we were the team yeah. with Arsenal's pedigree. And and even their fans were singing, this is embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, even two years ago when we were, you know, at the top of the championship, somebody suggesting that Arsenal fans would be singing, this is embarrassing at their own team <laughs> yeah. at Dean Court. You wouldn't have believed it, would you? No, not at all. And uh, the overall reactions on Twitter have very much the same. We've got a few comments that are just going to go through. Steve Phillips, he said, I think I'm plotted, pleased, but gutted. Uh, simply can't <laughs> can't sit back against a team like Arsenal. Steve Wright said it feels like a defeat. Uh, Kevin Anderson said, I've calmed down now. Let's look at the positives. Ninth place above Southampton. Um, Joel Fabian, like you said uh, just a moment ago, Michael, he said, shows how far we've come. These are the results that we can pull off now. And the fact that they were still trying to win it at the death as well shows how good they are. Tim Hancock, 
uh, Ecstasy and Agony, another great performance. Stu Bramley said, everything right and wrong with us in one game. Um, Patrick Cook, some people can't help themselves with a negative outlook. AFCB are now challenging top clubs. And Richard A. Clift said, once again, a disgraceful referee cost Bournemouth the game. Why are the big teams always favoured by the officials and when will it change? Well, it wasn't so bad, Richard, from what I've heard from Dermot uh, Gallagher at least who sort of says uh, we were lucky to get our third but anyway um, we, we we usually get the puns in as you probably know Michael uh, but when we lose or when we draw badly uh, like last night seems to be we we don't get many because everyone's so despondent but there was one we'll let you rate this Michael <laughs> Ross Devonport <laughs> said arse and all goes pear-shaped in last 20 <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give that. I'll give that seven out of ten. Seven yeah, out of ten. It, 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 it's a good effort, and I, I think Ross tweets in from from the US, so he's probably um probably watching that during his lunch break, and he had to go back to work afterwards. So um yeah, full. Well, not full marks, but definitely not zero. <laughs> yeah. So everyone feels a bit all over the place after that result, and uh, even on AFC Bournemouth on Facebook this morning, put out a post. Uh, on Wednesday, that is, referring to the uh, defeat last night. However, they quickly removed it. Um, but we must move on. And with Sean away this week, it's up to me to fill you in with what's going on in and around the Vitality Stadium. So here is the latest with club news. ACB Club News. Non-league footballer sacked after trolling Harry Arter. Harry Arter was targeted with sick abuse on Twitter following the Cherries' 3 all draw with Arsenal on Tuesday evening. The tweets from Hitchin player Alfie Barker were still online on Wednesday morning and referenced Arter and partner Rachel losing their stillborn daughter Rene in December 2015. Cherries immediately reported the abuse, with Arta understood to be deeply upset at the messages. Southern League Premier Division side Hitchin have confirmed Barker's contract has been terminated in the aftermath of the incident. In a statement, Hitchin said, The club adopts a reasonable approach to social media and would expect any player connected to Hitchin Town to do likewise. In the light of the player's irresponsible and antisocial behaviour, we are terminating Barker's registration and relationship with the club with immediate effect. We want to reiterate that Hitchin Town, as a community club with established links with various segments of the public, has been a long-time user of social media channels and expects all club stakeholders to use them appropriately. Benick rejects the Congo for the Cherries. Benekafobe has rejected the chance to play at the African Nations Cup so he can fight for his long-term future at the Vitality Stadium. Afobe withdrew from the Congo squad in a bid to consolidate his position with Cherries. However, the relevant paperwork did not come through in time for him to be available for the home match with Arsenal. Afobe said, For the past couple of months I've been talking to my family and thinking about what is best for my development. I'm trying to establish myself in my first full Premier League season and I just want to keep improving. I have a great opportunity here now, and I think by going away and missing six or seven weeks, it could hamper my season, personally, and for the team. Now, if you haven't heard us bleating on about it already, we're giving you one final chance this week to vote for your favourite three Cherries retro shirts. When the poll has closed on our website, we will collate the results and pass over the winners to the club. And who knows, you may well be seeing one or more of these shirts hitting the AFCB Superstore very soon. So what you need to do is go to afcbpodcast.com slash retro. And on there, actually, you can listen to Sean's interview with Cherry's programme writer Gareth Davies as they discuss all things retro. But yeah, go online and place your vote. Don't miss out. It's afcbpodcast.com slash retro. Similarly, as you may have heard, we are giving away Football Manager 17. 
So, in association with Sports Interactive, we're giving away one copy of this game for the PC or Mac. To enter, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash fm17 and pop in your details. You may have heard Sean previously wax lyrical about his old championship manager playing days, but here's what he had to say about the FM17 game. It's a, a really good game. If you haven't played it for a few years, I've dipped in and out, I'd be honest. So the last one I had, I think, was Football Manager 14, and I played that and then had to step away. So Football Manager 17, every year it gets better and better. It gets easier to play. So the whole kind of Excel spreadsheet look of it in the old days, they've kind of tried to pull away from that and make it a lot more accessible and easy to play if you still want to look at the individual stats and all that that's all there but if you just want more of an overview and you just want to get on with the game you can do that too the in-game actual matches when they're played um the graphics are way better now you can kind of see it a lot more instead of the the dots or back in the old day it was just text commentary um i'd really recommend it if you love football and you're kind of interested in coaching then yeah, go and grab Football Manager. It's available on PC. It's available on or for Mac as well. As well as there's a handheld touch version you can have. I've just got to play one more game. Go on. Oh, shall I sell him? No, I'm going to keep him. Right, another week. Just one more game. Just, just one more. Just one more. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So on Saturday, Cherries travel to Millwall, and it seems like an age since the last time I was there at the New Den. Uh, one of the last times I was there was actually on a boxing day, and we won 2-1. I was a teenager, and I'll tell you what, it was such an intimidating atmosphere, but... Uh, yeah, let's see Millwall's last few games then. So they drew two all at AFC Wimbledon on the 2nd of January. And before that, they've been on a bit of a run, really. Um, home games, that is. 2-1 against Gillingham, 2-0 over Swindon, 3-1 over Charlton. So that is uh, put them up to ninth in League One. And uh, they're currently uh, two points behind Fleetwood, who are in sixth on 40 points. Uh have you been to the new den before? I'm sure you have, Michael. And uh, what are you expecting from this one? I've been to the new den quite a few times. Yeah, I've seen us seen us win there. I think once we won, I think Klaus Jorgensen scored. It was around the time when Defoe was in the team, I think. Yeah. But um, he didn't score that day. And I missed the goal. I think we scored after about three or four minutes, but I was still in the pub. <laughs> yeah. That's how long ago it was when I wasn't taking my children to football. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember going there once for the Johnson Paints Trophy at Halloween as well. It was wow. the 31st of October. It was like taking it to its illogical conclusion. Yeah. And yeah, But I've always got out of there with um, with all my arms and legs. So, uh, so yeah. Um, this one, well, it's going to be interesting to see what Eddie does I think I probably do largely uh, veer towards the line of thinking that we should play a strong team in the cups yeah. fans pay to travel and we'd like to do well I mean what well, Leicester won the league last season so you know that can always be brought as exhibit a in saying well you can win the league but it's unlikely to happen anytime soon, if ever. Although, you know, a lot of amazing things have happened at our football club in recent years. Yeah. Uh, however, the FA Cup, it's not completely out of the question, which I can't quite believe I'm saying that. Mm. But, you know, we've got 25 points. Uh, the draw last night gave us another point, if nothing else. Um, and it'd be nice to have a proper pop at the cup. Yeah. Uh, I suppose in some ways to make up for the debacle at home to Preston as well, which oh. was still, I think, rates as our worst performance of the season, just below, uh, well, Sunderland and Southampton were also pretty bad. But yeah, that was absolutely awful. And oh, the fans messed about that night as well. I couldn't even get um, in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You went home, didn't no, you? Yeah, I did. And, um, and, and so... You know, all that said, I would like us to play a strong team. Um, whether he does or not, I don't know. I think we're probably going to see quite a lot of the fringe players. Even if we do, you would hope that we'd be strong enough to beat them. But yeah. they're doing all right. Uh, I don't know what kind of team they're going to play. But 
they may think, well, you know, we're trying to get promoted into the championship. We're going to do what everybody else seems to do yeah. these days, even in the lower leagues, in the cup, and and play a weakened team. I'm in, interested to see if we if we uh, make a rare sighting of Lewis Graben, who's always popular down yeah. at the Den. And <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he might play Sermon, give him yeah. another run out just for fitness. Wilshire, um, I don't think he will play him. No, I don't I think, think so he'll. Either. Uh, he didn't play last night, but it's still only a week between games. It gives him an opportunity to rest him. And also, he'll be the target of loads of abuse as well if he does play and maybe doesn't really need to expose him to that unnecessarily. Yeah, um, yeah so I guess on paper, whatever side we play, we should win. But if you're playing a bunch of guys who haven't played a competitive fixture for ages, haven't played together for ages mm. against a team that's playing together regularly, then we could lose the game. Yeah, I'm going to come to you for your prediction in a minute, uh, Michael. But yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a two-one win. Now, as I said on Twitter today to someone, Bournemouth have got this horrible trait of producing wonder results and then serving up disappointment all in the space of a week or so. But I, I do think we'll manage to win this one. And then, problem is with the FA Cup, you know, you you win, you get through to the fourth round, and then you get someone like. Shrewsbury away in the next round or something. It's it's it is a frustrating uh, sort of tournament sometimes in a way, and I can see why teams do play their fringe players. But it you know you the more you go through the tournament, the more the sort of first eleven sort of come into play. But I do think Bournemouth are going to win it. What's your view? Um, I think it's going to be a draw. Ooh. I think it could be nil nil, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't promise a lot. Um, I think that uh, that would be probably the worst, well, not the worst result, losing is the worst result, but in some ways the worst scenario for Eddie because obviously he wants to get the game out of the way and not have to play an extra fixture, but he could potentially bring it on himself by playing uh, the fringe players and coming up against a decent Millwall side. Um, in terms of the cup being a frustrating competition i don't really view it like that myself uh this could be age related but i still become pretty dewy eyed at the thought of the fa cup yeah. and i'd be pretty split on given the choice of winning the premier league or the fa cup Ooh. if you know if somebody said to me you could have that choice wow. because yeah the glory of the cup is still pretty uh pretty mega in my eyes of course the um the prestige is less than it was and the Champions League does not uh, feature in a reward if you yeah. win it which is unfortunate you don't you just get into just get into the Europa League I wouldn't mind getting into that mind you um, yeah so and also of course lest we forget um, what was it three years ago maybe 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 four I think it was three we were meeting Liverpool um, and producing special collector's item programs and the entire town yeah. was alight with this buzz. Very now, true. of course, well, we're meeting Chelsea on Boxing Day and Arsenal last night, so what's the big deal? But, you know, I think that we shouldn't forget that. And if we won it, mm. even if we got to the final or even the semi-final at Wembley, imagine what oh. a great day out that would be. Yeah, it would be brilliant. And what's funny for, for Bournemouth is that for us... Uh, no ties are sort of special like if we get man united away yes it's great um in a massive stadium but for other clubs as well even in sort of league one and league two uh, as sean said on a show a while back uh, are we the team that people just think oh we got bournemouth it's just like (laughs) it's not an interesting fixture definitely Mm. I, i i wouldn't be I mean, I think there was a, quite a bit of um, of that kind of Twitter action when they had the draw a few weeks ago from the Millwall fans. Yeah. Because we are, in a lot of fans' eyes around the country, still a little club who you know, are smaller than their club, no matter what division they're in. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's that's changing, but we still... I mean, people point to the stadium. Obviously, that's still smaller than most clubs in the championship. In fact, I think probably pretty much every single yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I remember when we drew Wigan maybe four or five seasons ago at home or no no we drew away yeah that's okay, right scored that day didn't he and then they'd been in the premier league for quite a while there was quite a lot of excitement here surrounding that fixture i f- i went to the game yeah. i found it hard to um to quite feel the magic at that point in yeah. terms of you know of the opposition but um yeah i, I think we've kind of 
well not through uh, not through design or any fault of our own just because of the status of our club in the eyes of you know the majority of football fans we've become that draw you get like wig and you think oh we've got a premier league team but great you know it's only born <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's it completely well thank you so much for your input on that and also for the show today michael it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on yeah it's been a pleasure for me too sam you and sean are doing a great job and as i said earlier it's just great to be involved Oh, good stuff. Well, hopefully we'll have you uh, on more in this capacity. And also we'd like to get other fans interested in having a chit-chat on the show as well. So feel free to email us if you want to get involved to fans at afcbpodcast.com. And we'd love to have you on. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Now, before we go, our next Premier League match, of course, is up against Hull. And they're having a bit of a tough time at the moment, aren't they? They've sacked Mike Phelan in the same week that they've sacked the youth coach, Peter and Love. And Mr. Tiggs on Twitter got in touch with us to say, I mean, this would be a great song choice if we were doing a Hull City podcast. You've lost and love and feeling. <laughs> Whoa, and love and feeling. That absolutely made my day, Tony. So thank you very much for getting in touch. Uh, remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are loads of things you can do to help including liking and sharing on Facebook, retweeting on Twitter, subscribing on iTunes, and above all, just telling your mates. But I'm sure you'll be delighted to hear that Sean will be back with us next week to discuss our beautiful, as Michael predicted, goalless draw at Millwall. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week, and thank you very much for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Beyond Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Podcast Network.